I'm Gab. He's Jules. Grace guys over West London. It's the Gab and Jules show. It's international break, but yes. Jules, this doesn't mean there isn't stuff going on. No, there is not. plenty going on. <laughs> We're going to talk about Lionel Messi and his contract. We're going to be come, uh, talking about uh, a little bit about Nations League. We'll be talking about Chelsea's hunt for a sporting director, which goes on and on and on. But I think uh, we need to check in with the champions of the world. Yes, still the reigning world champions, at least until December 18th. Yeah. Um, but it's been a really, really bumpy week. So <laughs> many things mess. going on. Um, it's a mess. You've, you've got the injuries. You've got you've got Noel Legrette under uh, under pressure. Yeah. You've got strange twists in the, the, the Diallo Hamraoui case. But let's start with the main man. Let's start with Kylian Mbappe. Now, this business with the image rights has gotten a ton of attention. He's unhappy not just with some of the national team sponsors. He's unhappy with the way the national team sells uh, image rights and deals with it. Now, quick sideline for those who aren't well-versed in this and you're like, well, it's a football podcast. Why would we know about this? Essentially, what happens is national teams make money by sponsors and by selling images when you use the image of of players with the national team. Uh, You have to pay you have to pay, pay a fee if you use it for commercial purposes. Yeah. Um, so generally, the players get together and they negotiate a deal with the association. Um, and, of course, then afterwards, the association owns it. The players get a certain amount. Uh, I think we said 25,000 euros a That's game right, with yeah. France. So, France yeah. um, so basically, once they've signed it away, then the FA says, okay, great, we're going to go in, uh, and, and sign a sponsorship deal with fraudsterripoffcrypto.com or, <laughs> or fentanyl at home or something, then there's nothing they can do. Yeah, so at club level, we've seen image rights sometimes be an issue when you sign a player or for contract extension where more and more players now want to own their own image rights instead of the club owning it. But national team level, it was never really spoken about. But back in March, Mbappé was already saying, listen, I don't like this agreement. I don't want my name and my image associated to some of the sponsors of the French national team, like betting, like junk food, for example. And okay. think Alcohol, not an issue because that's illegal yes, in, in, in France, yeah. but it is legal in other countries. Yeah. So, and, and to my knowledge, I don't think any other national team has had this issue before, but Mbappé was raising it. And the national team back in March said, yeah, yeah don't worry, we're going to review the whole agreement that you players signed with the national team. But nothing was done. So on Monday, he said, you know what, I thought you were going to help us and review it and change it. But you have done nothing. So now I'm out. I'm not going to do any of the sponsor activation or photo shoots on Tuesday with the national team this week uh, because I'm not happy. So it was a big panic. And then the head of the French FN, Le Graet, said, OK, we need a meeting. He came to Clairefontaine with Deschamps, who usually never takes part of those kind of meetings, with Raphael Varane, the vice captain, and Hugo Lloris, the captain. And they all sat down and... A miracle, they found an agreement. And the guy said, okay, we're going to review it, we're going to change it. And the players were happy and they all took part of the activation on the Tuesday, have, including Kylian. Have they agreed what the new agreement is or have they simply agreed to go and review it? So they're kind of a bit of both. They, I think they've agreed the, the, the major lines in the sense that players have to be consulted in a way on... In the future. In the future on what sponsor assigned by the national team. Because, for example, and that's what you already said, this could clash with our own sponsor, individual sponsors. So, you know, if we have a sponsor in the same line of work, then I'm going to wear my cynic team. hat here for, uh, for a second. I'm putting on my, my invisible cynic hat now. Uh, okay, I'm imagining that I am 
say, Usman Dembele, and I have a, a, a personal sponsorship agreement with McDonald's. Yeah. Might that be one of the reasons yeah. I don't want to go and deal with KFC? Yeah. As much as it is that this is junk food? But if or, McDonald's gives you 10 million a year, right? And right. then they see you on a photo for doing KFC because you're a French national team player and KFC have a deal, not with you, but with your national team. If you're McDonald's, you're not happy. So you threaten to, you say to Dembele, listen, we're going to cancel our contract. So Dembele could lose 10 million euros because the national team signed right. KFC without asking the player. But this stuff has gone, gone so, on for, for a long time. Players have, have, have boot deals, so for example. That, that was the issue before yeah. at times. It was the boot. You play with Nikes, but the national team is with Adidas. It's, so the players just said to the federation and to Deschamps, listen, we just need to talk right. it through. So some players might be okay. Some premium players could do the KFC photo shoot, but others might not. But then the other will do something else. And they just say it's just about communication because before it was just you sign a piece of paper and then you do everything they tell you. What's interesting to me is Mbappe is 23 years old. Um, And this is a team with with a lot of big personalities. He's neither captain nor the vice captain. He seems to be taking on the role of of leader or at least most vocal just simply because he's the best player there. Are you surprised with that? Is that... In his personality? Yeah, I think he's always been like that. I think he's always been a leader. He's always been the one The one if something um, was not clear to him or if he wanted he explanation, would, he, would, he wanted change, he would, he would express it and uh, say instead of keeping it for himself. Okay, so I'm interested in, in this Mbappe thing, right? Yeah. Because we I talk think a lot of people are. We talk about leadership and, and sort of veteran players or, or great players being great leaders. Not everybody has that personality right when people say leads by example that's generally what they mean Mm. when i think of Lionel messi when he was young right we're talking about doing it at a young age when you're older it's expected of you and so on right you don't think of of somebody who was necessarily marching into the president's office you know you have older players who who do that for you there's more of a respect or acknowledgement of hierarchy same thing with with erling holland i he every case we have neither with norway or with obviously City just arrived, he may be the best, most important player, but he's not necessarily the guy who's going to speak out and be... It seems like Mbappe, both at Paris Saint-Germain, but yeah, with yeah. the force of his new contract as well, mm-hmm. and with this, it, it seems to be in his personality more yeah. so than it is with, with other players. In fact, yeah, even, think- sorry, even, even Cristiano. Cristiano, 23, you can say he's a diva, whatever, all the criticism people usually throw at him. Mm. But I don't know that Cristiano was the guy who went and argued with the Federation or argued with Sir Alex Ferguson on behalf of the rest of the team. There were other people to do that yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I think there's the intelligence, first of all. I mean, I think he's someone who is very intelligent and is very outspoken in what he, when he wants to say something. And, and, and I think he, on top of the belief that he has or the values that he has about certain things, I think he... He would, he would go and fight for, for what he thinks is right, whether you agree or not, whether you think he's too young to take so much space or to take so many responsibilities. But I don't know, but I think I, I respect the fact that when there's something that he doesn't like or that he wants to fix, he, go and, and tr- and he goes and tries to do it. Um, I find it a bit interesting because I always have, I have the, per- the perception, you know my thoughts on, on Duchamp as a manager, but... I give him credit for being a man manager, but also he strikes me as somebody who's extremely old school, right? Somebody who's been through the system, who mm. who would be more likely to go and you know said respect the hierarchy and whatever. Um, 
in this case, clearly he has empowered Mbappe to some degree to do this. Clearly, Hugo Lloris and Rafael Varane, who are the captain and vice captain, yeah, yeah. clearly they have yeah, They don't feel threatened or whatever by Mbappe. Is that what's going on, or do I or do I read Deschamps wrong? No, 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 no. It's dumb. I mean, Deschamps was never involved in the whole image, right? He said to the right. players and to the national team, "This is between you and them. I've got nothing to do in this." And Bappi didn't do this on his own. He, you know, he had the support of the rest of the squad back in March and even in June. But and again in this, since they, when they met up on Monday, Clairefontaine, this was back on the table. I'm like, okay, what do we do? Because they clearly haven't done anything. You know, I, I, we can't wait for them to do something. We need to do something here. And I think here everybody's almost said like, yeah, okay, Kylian, we, we're behind you. And that's exactly what Lloris and Varane said to Legrette and Deschamps when they had that meeting on Monday night, which unlocked everything. It was like, we're here in solidarity with, with you know, we're all together in this. We all right. believe that what Kylian is saying, we all, we're all behind that. This is all what we believe in. But I think, I think Mbappe likes the fact that, you know, he can have that kind of impact and that kind of input. And that, that I think he likes players saying, yeah, we're with you on this. You're right. Let's go and do this. And I think he's not afraid to, to then take the lead and say, like, OK, I'm the face of this image rebellion, if you want. And, and I, think, I think he's, he's strong enough and good enough at football to take it and take the pressure that comes with it because, you know, I think there could be some critics coming from some people maybe saying, like, well, stay in your place. You're only 23. Yes, you won the World Cup, but blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe, but I think he's, he's ready. If that comes his way, he's ready to right. say, like, well, no, I feel like I'm part of the leadership group here in that squad, so I'm going to voice my concern or voice uh, my anger at something and, and make things change for the it, better. It's just, I think... Everybody has to have their own personality. People usually grow into these leadership yeah. roles when they get older. But some are born with it as well. Some are born with it. A lot of it has to do with the personalities of the leaders who are already on the team. Yeah. You know, if, if Roy Keane yeah. is your teammate, exactly. you probably, and if you're Roy Keane, Gary Neville, guys like this, and you're 21, 22, you probably won't be the guy saying, hey, guys, I'm in charge here. What do we want to yeah. do? Blah, blah, blah. Let or me go talk to you. You know, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think that's the reality of it. Looking at this France team, the other story, well, many stories with this, <laughs> there's big injuries to people who were key in delivering the last World Cup. Obviously, yeah. Paul Pogba, we, don't, we assume he's going to be fit for the World Cup, but we don't know what condition. No he certainly yeah. is unlikely to be matched with. N'Golo Conte, these injury things have been plaguing him really for the last two years. Yeah. Uh, Kim Pembe also out. He may be back. Now there's a Lucas Hernandez issue yeah. as well. You can look at this and say, hey, Didier, my heart bleeds for you, but you've got so much depth exactly. that it's not a factor. Yeah, yeah, which is a fair point. We assume that, Pogba, that these three guys that I mentioned, that the first three, Lucas, I'm not sure, but maybe, maybe him too, yeah, yeah, are nailed-on starters if fully and, fit, yeah. right? Yeah. So in Deschamps' mind, that's how he views it. Is, again, I get the impression that he doesn't want to choose an alternative to these players, even though he has alternatives. He doesn't want to think yeah. about that. So Benzema is another one that we could have mentioned, although he will be back after the tonight. He'll be back. So it's not. Yeah. But right now there's yeah, five starters that Deschamps will start in, right. in his 3-4-1-2 formation that won't be playing against Austria or, or Denmark. And he's not, he's not a worry. That's what I, I put in the article I wrote for the, the ESPN website. Deschamps doesn't worry. This is not what he does. He's a very pragmatic, kind of positive always look on the bright side of things, guy. But even now he's thinking, like, why is everything that could go wrong is going wrong right now? 
including the injuries, yeah. because he ideally would have played his strongest 11 for those two games, we are, which are the, the only ones before the World Cup, really. And, and to maybe have a bit more certainties on the back of June, that was pretty bad, two draws, two defeats. And he's not, he's not going to be able to do that, but you're right. He's got so much depth. Even the team that he's going to put out on, against Austria on Thursday night is a really, really decent team. He's a really good team. He's going to have the same lineup. Um, sorry, he's, he's going to keep the same formation in these two games that he wants to play when these guys are fit. Yeah, right? at the World we, Cup, we, yeah. we believe. So right? it's a backfire for sure. So who come? Who do you? Just, let's just go through the alternatives, right? Like mm. for like, right? Kimpembe, you're looking at most likely who? So he wants a left footer playing in that sort of left centre back role. So Badiashil, the young Monaco defender, would start on Thursday night against Austria, for example. Not just because he's left-footed, but I think this is helping right. massively. We're also waiting for Laporte, maybe. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Laporte, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> this one, Didier, sorry to say, a bit like Koulibaly, this one is gone. But, but maybe Lucas Hernandez, if he's back, just would fit in, in that sort of left centre-back position with Varane and Koundé, and then, and then that works. Okay, but if so, but if Kimbembe and Lucas and are Lucas both out, and, yeah, then you're looking at could you play Saliba there? It would have to be one of the younger players, right? Uh, I think Badiashil is very much a test against Austria to see how well he copes with it or not. Uh, Conte, I would have thought this is different profile of player, but again, you're not short for no, people. And Chouameni, Chouameni is the now. obvious one, he's the and one. maybe to the point where Conte, Chouameni does really well. Conte's not 100. percent Conte may not get back in. Yeah, yeah. Pogba. So again, if Conte is fit and not Pogba, you can play Conte and Tromamini. If both but Conte a and different, Pogba it's a different out, team though when yeah, that happens. But still, I think. But is there anybody with a Pogba skill set? Well, you can, you've got Fofana, who's going to be again tested against Austria by Deschamps, the Tromamini Fofana partnership that we saw in Monaco that was so dominant right. in Ligue 1, being reunited, which is quite exciting. Can he play? Can Fofana play in a World Cup after having just one or two caps before? I don't know. This isn't Wesley Fofana, by the way. No, this it's is Seco Fofana. Fofana. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, whether you put Rabiot alongside Chouameni, whether you put, I know, but whether you put... Rabiot's injured too, by the way. No? The Kamavinga-Chouameni partnership right. is also a possibility. You, you can have Genduzi. So you've got other options. And Chouameni, seeing the level that he's at right now, Real Madrid, looks like, okay, you can rely on him and he can lead you too. He's the second guy next I'm to I'm starting to revise my view a little bit because, you know, we're talking about how strong France are, so such in depth, strength and depth, and you, you start, you know, dropping a bit of, a bit of Guendouzi, a bit of Rabiot in there. I'm starting to wonder well, a little bit. I'm just saying people bit. like, <laughs> like Deschamps likes them. They're not always my cup of tea, but uh, Deschamps likes them. Let's move on to two other, just quickly, two other quick stories. Uh, yeah, just to finish quickly, sorry. because I thought something that you liked that Deschamps said, you would be allowed to take 26 players to the World Cup. Yes. Deschamps, we asked him the question on last week and he said, well, I can't answer you because I'm, I'm not sure yet. He said, but I can tell you something. It's easier to win a World Cup at 23 than at 26. Hinting that he might, even if he is allowed 26 players, he might just take 23. Maybe having more players at the Euros and seeing the atmosphere, didn't, he didn't like that. Maybe he thinks I'll have to manage more egos, more players left out. I find that really interesting because... It's not one for now, I know, but I think no, no, no. I like it. Yeah, no, and, and I think this is going to seem when we're talk about this some more. I would have thought the very easy way out for managers to do this is to pick a 23 and then take along three youngsters and say, you guys, for the number, you're yeah. going to train, you're with us with the numbers, we want you to taste what the World Cup is like so you're, you're prepared for your time. You're not going to play. 
And then if you need them, of course they play. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. That that's yeah. would seem to me, but hey, I don't yeah. manage a national team. Let's talk about just the stories. Uh, this this non-legret situation. This has been rumbling for some time. People mm-hmm. unhappy, um, bullying. Now yeah. materials coming out about inappropriate messages. Yeah. Um, what's the reaction? What's he saying? I'm 80 years old. I've got two more two more year left on my uh, mandate. Do you say yeah. for the presidency? I'm not going anywhere. I think if this was happening in this country, in England, or even in Italy or in Spain, this would be, this, it would be blowing and it would have Give to Give us a flavor, more accurate flavor of sort of what he's, been, what he's actually been accused of doing. Yeah, so send inappropriate messages to female employees at the French Federation, like, you know, oh, I would fancy having you in my bed, this kind of stuff. I mean, he's 80. He's not going to say something like... Right. He's not sending and, pictures of himself in his underwear. Yeah, exactly. But those kind of messages which are, you know, unacceptable. Right. Uh, he says that he hasn't really responded on that. And then there's the cover-up of, like you said, the bullying accusation, the sexual abuse accusation at Clairefontaine for the youth teams, women, men, or like boys and girls, at grassroots level, all of that kind of stuff that he seems to have never really acted on since he became the right. president of the, of the federation. So, again, he's, he's, he's saying, like, not even in your dreams I'm going to resign. I think he should be asked tougher questions and should point into account. They're not doing that in France. I don't know why. But I think this is, again, something that that is just not looking good for French football in general, for the image, for the national team, because Deschamps is under pressure because of his close relationship with Le Gret. So did Deschamps know, for example? You know, all that kind of stuff. Has someone spoken to Deschamps about it? So there's a lot of things like that that bring such a negative, toxic atmosphere within the, around the national team as well. Finally, speaking of negativity and toxicity... Yeah. Let's talk about the Zara um, Amrawi case. Obviously, we saw uh, Aminata Diallo, who, you know, she was was actually taken into police custody. Yeah. Um, charged the other the, the three men who attacked Amrawi say that Diallo put them up to it. Yeah. She, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't saying anything. No. Um, the original version of the story, where she did this because she was competing for a place with Amrawi. Yeah. Um, seems to be the one that investigators are, are pushing now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say it seems to be the truth, but it seems, they seem to believe that this is the, the line that they need to go down and yeah. not involve people in, in Barcelona. Um, but there's a, an Mbappe angle again to this. Yeah, his name is in the investigation because it seems that um, at some point his mother and Aminta Diallo met and and discussed all sorts of things. Diallo wanted a new contract at PSG and I think maybe she thought that the Mbappe could put, you know, could try to influence the club into giving her a new contract, which didn't happen. And I think very quickly... The and Mbappe represent her as an agent as well? So her agent is a guy called Cesar who is... Kadidia to Gianni's boyfriend, so her teammate for France when she was with the national team, and at PSG, Gianni, who's one of the best players in of Europe, course. and at PSG and at the national team, her boyfriend is an agent who represents Katoto, Diallo, Gianni, a lot of the girls at PSG, and he's also, his name is massively involved in the whole investigation from the police to the point that he also 
kind of, he seemed that he encouraged the attack on Amrawi, that he felt hatred towards Amrawi, like Diallo felt. Certainly what comes out of the, of the investigation from the police and what the police are saying. Um, but Mbappe's mom, to be clear on this, only fits in as somebody at some point, somebody's hypothesizing. That I think, yeah, Diallo tried to get her support and there was a no there. And get her met. support to get support from Paris Saint-Germain, get Killian to yeah. intervene with Nasser or, or whatever. To, for her to get a new yeah. deal, which she didn't get. And I think the Mbappe right. clan saw the, the kind of trick very quickly and put an end to it. But right. their name is still in this investigation. Right. Like the agent Cesar, like Hierarchy at the club. It's an absolute mess for the women's side okay. of PhD. For Mbappe, his name is also in the investigation into Matthias Pogba um, in a very marginal yeah. way over this but witchcraft is, nonsense. Right. They've been taken into custody. Are there any development? And I'm sorry, I, I, I feel like this is like a freaking like soap opera here that we're going to. It is. This, this is, is French football for you. I mean, you know, even at our standard, this is pretty, pretty. <laughs> and we haven't even mentioned usual. Sir Jim Ratcliffe. But, exactly. Uh, what, um, what, what, what's going on there? Do we, are They've there any been charged and they haven't released on bail. And like Jalo, by the way, who's, who's free now, uh, which I'm really not happy with. But for the Pogba brother and his, the rest of his the guys that threatened Paul and tried to extort money from him, the 13 million euros. Um, they've been charged for extortion and they are currently in, in jail, you know, in custody still. Could, could we see a situation where Pogba's going to have to testify against his brother? Maybe, maybe. Certainly the investigation, again, what we know from the investigation, from the police, and when they interviewed Paul Pogba, he said that that night when those childhood friends who he grew up with, and all the names are there. They're people who were in, in his class, in primary school with him, playing football with him, in the same block of flats of him in the right. council estate in Roissy. Uh, when they took him to this flat in Paris on the, at midnight with two guys with balaclavas armed with Kalashnikovs, and he said, I was scared. I thought they could, you know, they could have hurt me or my family. And they kept to me, shut up, shut the F up, put you, you know, Put your eyes down. Don't look at us. He said, I was scared for my life. And when you, when you read this or when someone is telling you that Paul Pogba said those kind of words, you can understand yeah. psychologically the damage that that could have had on him. Um, so this is where we are. I think Deschamps is really worried, go back to worrying, because, yeah, Pogba might be fit for the World Cup, but psychologically, what kind of... Even psychologically, Pogba the idea of, you of, of the... Of your your, your what, all of this. what's up with the other brother the the twin Still brother nothing we don't know no. what no, we think that he's taken the side of Paul and the mother but, who's but, also under police protection like Paul by the way just even just the psychological pressure of I mean assuming Matthias's defense is going to be that he was forced to do this right I'm yeah assuming, I think right? this is the psychological like, pressure the issues of trust that you have with your brother who who you grew up with your your, your older brother right. Um, not knowing whether he betrayed you for money yeah. or whether he was a victim as well in this yeah. and that he didn't come to you. I mean, there is going to be a ton to unravel there psychologically, even as he, as he tries to rehab physically. Yeah, and everywhere Paul Pogba goes now and his family, there's, there's police protecting right. them. Can you imagine? There's there actually police going everywhere where they go with them to protect them. All right, sad stuff. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match 
with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash gab terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed all right enough france let's move on to Lionel messi um these revelations yeah from uh that that we've seen in el mundo the barca leaks the barca leaks as they're saying now there's several items to this. I think we need to talk about the revelations themselves. Yeah. And we need to talk about who is leaking this and why they're leaking it. Mm. Uh, and obviously, we're going to speculate because we don't know. Um, the revelations themselves basically are a list of demands that in June of 2020. Yeah. So this is bef- this is once the pandemic had started. Yeah. And everybody was, was panicking and cutting back and so on. Barcelona in really bad shape. But before the Bureau facts. Yeah when Messi asked to leave and wasn't allowed to leave. Um, at some point, there's all these messages going back and forth between Messi's family, who act as his agents, mm. and Barcelona. And, and Messi has one year left on his contract then. Yes, Messi has one year left on his contract. You can walk in free agency in a while. Yeah. You know, he tried to do the Bureau Factor, try to get free. That didn't happen. Yeah. Um, this is before that. So a lot of people have looked at these demands and say, during a pandemic... Um, you know, these are things like a 10 million uh, signing bonus. These yeah. are things like private flights back to Argentina. These are things like a box uh, at the, 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 the camp. No, for him and Suarez. For him and Suarez family, presumably his family's too small, or, or they're just small people, so yeah. they didn't need to fill. They, they need, need some Suarezes yeah. to fill the box. Um, and the one I found most shocking is he wants a three-year deal, fine, plus an option to extend. But with a 10,000 euro release clause, which is another way of saying, I have a contract, but I can leave at any time. 10,000 yeah. euro release clause is basically like, like free, right? Yeah. I, I found these things quite extraordinary. It's just a negotiation. Barcelona really angry about this and saying, well, there's legal implications here. How dare you punish this? Am I being cynical when I think current Barcelona don't really care one way or another? Past Barcelona, i.e. the Bartomeu regime. Yeah. I don't think they mind that these relegations that these are coming out, do they? No, definitely not. Not for them. For Messi, you do wonder. There's also the part that the money that he def- that was deferred from his wages uh, during the pandemic that he said, "Well, okay, I want you to pay that money back to me or pay me that money, but with a three percent interest rate on top." So, what you're charging your own club an interest rate for you to pay back the money that okay you deferred and you took that and say okay you pay me less because it's the pandemic like like a lot of players did. But not many players, from what I know, asked their club to pay them back, but not just the money they were owed, but a 3% interest rate on top of it. I mean, you earn 75 million net a year. 75 million net. You really need a 3% interest rate on what the club still owe you from the pandemic. It, I don't think so. It's, Why? 
It's, it's pretty extraordinary. Messi hasn't spoken about this. I don't know if his side are going to respond. Luis Suarez has responded, sticking up for, for Lionel Messi, saying, you know, whoever's leaking this, it's terrible. Lionel Messi built Barcelona without Lionel Messi. They're nothing. Mm. And okay, I understand why if you're Luis Suarez, you've got a bone to pick with Barcelona, given yeah, the way yeah. you were treated. And, and he's of, your you know, boy. You know, he's your brother. So fine. You know, fine. First of all, how about a little bit of respect? As, as enormous as Messi's contributions yeah. to Barcelona were, Barcelona are a club that won two Champions League titles before Messi arrived, or, or the second one he played like three minutes or something, right? Yeah. So Barcelona existed well before. Barcelona are the club of, 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 of Cruyff going all the way back to Paulinho Acampo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's not something Suarez, I think, should be saying. I don't think it makes him look good, yeah. right? No, I agree. Beyond that, as we found out, Messi was paid all these years. It's not like you can't show gratitude. At some point, how long is a piece of string? You know, <laughs> yeah. I, how much how much should Messi's contribution be valued at? What I find interesting, though, is from a PR perspective, and I'm all for hard negotiations, and you get paid as much as you can. But you can't have two images. You can't, on the one hand, drive such hard negotiations, taking advantage. And, and that's what you do in negotiations, right? You take advantage of how much your employer needs you. I don't have a problem yeah, with yeah. people who do that. Mino Rayola did it his entire career, right? But you can't at the same time saying, look at all these sacrifices I'm making for the club. Look how much I love the club. Yeah. Those two things, those two images are really hard. People are going to say, well, wait a minute. Which one is it? Yeah, and by the way, he, didn't, he, he wanted the same wages as well, the 74.9 million euros net a year. He could have easily said, okay, we, this is the pandemic. You know, I'm, I'm 32 at the time. At the time, yeah. So a, a three-year deal, but you know what? Just pay me the 60 million net a year or something. So he also wanted the same wages and all those things. You know, I think the, the private jet, a lot of players have that. I would, I would think that Messi had that in previous contracts or right. it was just same with the box at the stadium. But even that, you could say, with all the money he's earned through his career, he could have paid for that himself. I don't want to go through all his demands one by one. And like you said... A lot of these things were, were basically, you know, things that maybe he had before. Yeah, you know, I would the think thing, so. When we talk about private flights home, there are people who negotiate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot and of players have that in there. You and I tried to price it up before. How much yeah. would this actually cost <laughs> to bring the Messi's uh, back to Argentina? You know, it's not like they're going to charter Air Force One for him or something. <laughs> or something. It, it's something, I'm guessing, round trip. We're talking maybe a hundred thousand, yeah, maybe a hundred fifty thousand. Which, when you're paying the guy seventy-five million net, which means it's costing you like what, like a hundred forty million, hundred thirty-five million, yeah. is really a drop in the ocean. Yeah. So I think those are like the gaudy things that we see. Like you said, it's the release clause. Mm. It's the ten million signing. The release clause is an insult. Asking them to lower it down, and you have to in your contract in Spain. This is the law to have a release clause for everyone. You, me, if we sign right. one day for a club, but. Yeah, 10,000 euros now, is just an absolute insult. Because Messi almost never speaks, um, we can go and dump all this on Jorge, and his dad, Rodrigo's yeah. brother, the, the entourage around him. Um, a bunch of agents I've spoken to say that, essentially, when you have a family member as your agent, it's never good. And <laughs> we, we, we've seen it a little bit with Neymar, We've seen it with with Messi a little bit. We've seen it with Harry Kane, I think. Yeah, yeah with say. Charlie, yeah. Um, 
Mbappe seems to be working out so far. Yeah, but I'm also Holland wondering. Well, but yeah, yeah, I'm right. also, ha- Holland is Holland definitely. Although again, Holland had Holland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like Alfie yeah, was yeah, running yeah, things. Yeah, he had a real true, agent true, with true. him, right, and still does. True, true. Um, Mbappe. Sometimes I wonder if it's actually if it's Killian himself who's the agent, yeah, and probably, not, yeah. not the mom and dad. Hey, what they're talking about? I think what they were talking about when having family members is that you know some of them will cut bad deals, some of them will cut good deals. Even when they cut lucrative deals, they generally don't maximize the earning potential or the image of their client. Yeah, and they cited Neymar as one of the biggest examples of this. Um, I don't think somebody worked out how much Neymar cost Paris Saint Germain on a per minute basis or a per game basis or mm. something, and it's still it's still crazy, it's right? Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's fair to say that when Neymar moved, we saw oh he could be. On a level with Messi and Cristiano, if yeah. he goes to, he's got a level to go to, and it didn't happen. The narrative was like, "This will always be Messi's house. Let me build my own house in Paris, right?" And maybe a professional agent might have done that differently. I think there's issues yeah, with, yeah, with image as well. With, yeah. do you think it's a family member thing? I what? I, I again, I don't know Rodrigo and Jorge, and I and I assume million percent they want what's best for their son. Yeah, of course. But I also, I'm also pretty sure that they've never had other clients apart from their son, who's pretty unique, right? So, Ansu Fati, some point was wasn't he working with Rodrigo? Right, but not. But yeah, yeah, yeah no, you I know, see what you mean. It's not the same thing. I was Ansu Fati's story is just starting, right? Mm. Uh, I wonder if it's something as simple as they come into football, they get extremely cynical, extremely quickly. They see people being exploited by clubs. They see people running clubs. I'm not talking about Bartomeu, but in general, who maybe are either, you know, they think are either incompetent or corrupt and say like, look, it's a free for all. I'm going to protect my son as much as I can. And I'm going to get, make sure he gets paid as much as he can. Yeah. And and maybe they don't really understand or fully value and say, you know what? The image side of it is just as important. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, and maybe also, I don't know if they have a PR person or the, those kind of person within their team or if they also do that themselves. And in that case, you know, maybe the perception that they thought they would project is not this, the, the, the one that maybe a PR professional would say, listen, you, you're working on Thinex here. Let's be careful. Let's do this. Let's not do this. Maybe I don't know how much advice they take from the outside or if, like you said, it's just them, the family, maybe Luis Suarez can have a word and, and that's it pretty much. I don't know. I, I think... I think because this was likely to be his last big contract, 32 to go to 35 and then go back to Argentina, right. go to MLS, go wherever you want. Maybe they thought, okay, this is the last one, so we have to make it big. Uh, because the one after won't be as good, and we knew that for sure. Um, Although I, it turned out to be pretty good. It turned out to be pretty good, but I think <laughs> but, in, yeah. in the summer 2020, that's, they, didn't, they right. didn't think about that one maybe. So maybe that's the reason why... I, I don't want. That. I don't know how they, how people see them now in Spain or in Argentina. If they, if they if they think that those leagues, the Barca leagues, and what he's asking is outrageous, and that they're turning on Messi or that his image is being a bit tarnished a little bit, and I don't want I don't want that for him. So I would want to think that they have they have good reasons to ask those kind of things. I just I just struggle to understand. I think there's a point, especially in the pandemic, that they had to read the room a bit better. 
especially if one day all those requests will become public like it is now because it just doesn't look good on them. Because I think had they read the room a bit better, they would say, okay, let's do some compromise here. Maybe we can, you know, maybe we can not ask for that, but maybe ask for something a little bit different. I don't know, I don't know anything. I understand this is a negotiation and you have to be tough in business and that's also how big it became. But, but you also realize the room well there. you realize how difficult it is for a normal person to understand, right? When you already have made all this money, right? What what thing of that? What additional thing of value beyond what you've already done and what you've achieved on the pitch can you give? And the additional thing of thing of value in this that nobody could ever take away from you would have been a quote unquote sacrifice of playing. At minimum wage yeah, or, yeah. or whatever, all these things that that were mooted that could have been within them. Instead, you see the opposite. You see that they started out with these crazy, I mean, in my opinion, crazy requests, mm. and then the bureau facts without fully explaining the terms of the bureau facts and and, and whatever and, uh, and and his reasons for going. It's it's kind of hard now. I if the guy on the other side of it hadn't been Bartomeo, who you know. He's about as popular as cockroaches yeah, with yeah. most Barcelona supporters. I think you might see more of a move against Messi. Yeah. Now I'm imagining if I'm a Barca fan, you know, I might say, okay, fine, but I hate Bartomeu for what he did to the club through his incompetence. Mm. And, you know, he gets all the blame, but Messi isn't much better. Yeah, right? I mean, and Bartomeu, by the way, or, or Messi. Sorry, you said Messi. Messi's family isn't yeah. much better, right? Bartomeu agreed to everything apart from the release clause going from the 700 million to the 10,000, right. which you can't really blame him. I no. mean, you can't, it's his club. You can't give Messi for free. And the 10 million signing on fee on the, the, the new extension, which is maybe because they just didn't have that money. I don't know, because the, the, the account was so bad. That's the extraordinary thing, that and, he and agreed to everything. Yeah. <laughs> so then when, when, when he went back to the Messi camp saying, OK, we give you everything but those two, they said, OK, no, we're not happy. We stopped the negotiation and we want to leave. Hence the Bureau Fag straight after. I don't know. Do you I think... I don't know if Laporta would have agreed to it all. I don't know if you and I, in Bartomeu's shoes, we would have agreed to it all. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Do you think uh, this helps? Look, I mean, I'm trying to think of Barcelona in the here and now. If I'm not yeah, who leaked it? Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think... I mean, well, I think we're pretty sure that it wasn't Laporta who leaked it. Yeah. Or, or his... Regime because it's not like these things were lying around and they found them at the come. No, right? You always ask with leaks who has an interest in leaking this. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah, it's pretty sure. obvious who has an interest in yeah. leaking this. And there is an ongoing investigation as yeah. well of malfeasance yeah, into yeah, Bartomeu. But if I'm Laporta, what impact do you think this has on Barcelona as a club? I don't think this hurts Laporta. No, I don't think I, either. He wasn't there, yeah. he wasn't involved. It goes to show how intractable the previous situation was. And how ill-equipped maybe to handle it Bartomeu was. So, if anything, I guess Barca fans, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't worry about the near future here. Yeah. This doesn't impact that negatively. No, I don't. Think it so. may hurt some people's memories of Messi, or if they side with the Messi's, mm -hmm. it may, you know, further strengthen their their hatred of Bartomeu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, enough messy. How about some quick hits instead? Go, Gav. Ten countries, including England, France, and Germany, and others, are supporting a campaign uh, in favor of inclusion and equality. They'll be wearing rainbow armbands that will read uh, One Love throughout the World Cup in Qatar. And even before that, uh, we're going to see some during the Nations League uh, this weekend. Jules, some say this doesn't go far enough to address issues of homophobia and workers' rights. Yeah, I mean... I think it's better than nothing. This is what I always say. I don't think it's enough. If that's all that's happening, I'm a bit disappointed because I think they could have a stronger voice and stronger opinion. And, and, and voice it doesn't mean that you have to boycott the World Cup, etc., etc. But at least make, make a bit more about it or yeah. on it. But I, I like that at least it's, the issue is raised. It's there. People will ask, OK, what's this armband? You can explain it. You can do PR around it. I'm hoping that the captains who will worry, whether it's Harry Kane, Hugo Lloris, whoever you want, are going to come out and say, yeah, yeah, you know, this is what we're wearing. We feel so strongly about this. And it's just not an armband and, and nothing around it. I'd love to know those 10 teams game together, right? Because if you want to talk about, you know, teams who are going to do this at the World Cup to make a statement, that's fine. Nine of those teams at the World Cup. Norway isn't. So I guess, I don't know where they're going to wear those armbands, I guess in the Nations, Nations League, League and, guess, yeah, and, and whatever, but... I'm sure you could have gone further. I agree you could have gotten other countries that aren't going to the World Cup to yeah. wear those armbands too. I, I don't quite know about that. Mm-hmm. As far as their voices, you know, I, I said this before, I said this at a time. The Moment Act was a long time ago, and really the people who should be acting and making these decisions are our elected leaders who we act who we elect to act in our country's best interests. Yeah. You know, they should do the heavy lifting. Do we want to have relationships? On what terms do we want to have relationships with, with these countries? Mm-hmm. In the end, Harry Kane and his armband, it still sends a message. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, but, yeah, but you're right. you know. RB Salzburg, Christoph Freund, the sporting director, will not be taking the job of sporting director at Chelsea. He released a statement, Gab, saying that he was flattered, but had important work to do at his current club. I mean, it's one thing to be rejected by Michael Edwards. It's another one to be rejected by Freund. Yeah, it's not, it's not a good look for Chelsea. Well, especially after so many, so much information about Freund came out, right? Oh, he's well, what was he, he was visiting for with, with Salzburg. Yeah. But equally, they're like, oh, Graham Potter has signed off on him, and I'm like, already when you hear that, it's kind of to me, it's a bit ass backwards. Like, it's not Graham Potter's job to decide who the director of football will be. It's Todd Bowley's job. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but then he doesn't about turn, and I can't figure it out because. Sure, he just signed a new contract this summer. Maybe he loves Salzburg, but he talks about you know bigger job, the challenges here at Salzburg. I mean, what, what what challenges? What is it that if you can win the league by triple figures? Why well, tell you, you you can't? It's mathematically yeah. impossible. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought it was a curious one. But maybe it, he didn't fancy working with you know the Chelsea owners and stuff like uh, that. You can't uh, bet everything. You can't blame Todd Bowley for everything. Saying, I don't know. I don't now, Jules, I. I assume that Freund's decisions meant that, I, that Red Bull would give him more responsibility, yeah, maybe I give him a nice raise and so on, even yeah. just under contract. Uh, they had something special lined up for him, right? But instead, uh, and I thought maybe one of those things could be maybe you look after Leipzig, yeah, right? Playing the Bundesliga, at. Champions League. Yeah. But that's not happening because we just found out Max Eberl is coming back to be the new sporting director. He's obviously, he was at Gladbach yeah. with Rosie. He'll be reunited with him. Yeah, I think there was, this was in the, in the pipeline as well. We heard it a bit before. 
He did a good job at Gladbach, I think. There's some really good signing that he made. I mean, Alassane Plea or, or Marcus Thuram, for example, for little money. Um, it is a progression, really, between Gladbach and Leipzig. You can ask the question. I think the question. Yeah, I could think it's a asked. yes. Which it money? is considering that Leipzig. Well, history obviously it's Gladbach. Money it's Leipzig. And and the constant running the Champions League, for example, the Leipzig have been on compared to Gladbach. So let's see. Let's see how how it it does there. But like you know those German clubs we said about manager changing from like top six <laughs> club to sporting director I'm like oh wow okay the ECA and UFI exec committee both meeting this week yeah and there's talk about a revamp European Super Cup yeah one of the versions even has them playing uh, uh, sort of a final four preseason tournament in which you said the before Super Cup, yeah? which we talked about before the innovation would be like oh let's play in the US and let's invite the MLS champions uh, so for example uh, you know to me, this makes zero sense. And it would be the Europa Conference League champion, the Europa League winner, yeah. and the Champions League champion, and the MLS champion. I'm like, no, if you're going to do this, <laughs> make it official, make it meaningful, and say, let's invite the CONCACAF Champions yeah, League winner. So, Champions League so it would have been the Seattle yeah. Sounders. Yeah. Even then, 14 tournament in the summer, Seattle Sounders, Roma, Eintracht Frankfurt, and Real Madrid. He's got a bit of an ICC vibe to me. Um, well, not even as good, probably. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where you're going with this. It's going to depend how seriously they take it and so on. Yeah. Um, I think there's also a lot of administrative things. I think well, USSF would have to okay it. CONCACAF would have to okay it. I think FIFA would have to okay it as well. So it's a lot of jumping through hoops. Yeah. They want to do this. They want to explore it. Uh, I don't know if involving teams from other confederations is the way to do it. Mark Ogden wrote a piece citing sources close to Harry Maguire. Now, they mentioned two big factors that help explain his difficult time. Yeah. Jules, what were they? And what's your assessment? One was that um, Lissandro Martinez is playing better because he can speak Spanish to David De Gea and communication was a problem between De Gea and Maguire. Because De Gea has only been in this country for 10 years. And speaks perfectly English. So why they could not understand each other. And so for me, this is the most BS I've ever heard Harry Maguire. I'm really sorry, but blaming your own bad performances on the fact that you and De Gea could not really uh, communicate with each other. It's not Maguire. It's, not, it's a source close to Maguire. Okay, but yeah, you, get, you know what I mean. And the other one is that, well, it's difficult to play when the players around you are so slow. You know, like Rafael Varane and especially Aaron Wan-Bissaka. He's really, he's a real slow poker. He's as slow as you and I. He's ponderous. Pitch. I mean, like, I don't know who came up with those excuses because to me, I, I read them as excuses and indulging Harry Maguire's real level by saying, but look, it's not his fault. Look at the communication with De Gea. Look at the slow players he had next to him. Whoa. That's why he was so bad. I mean, he, come on. It's... It's, it's pretty gold. Whoever's doing Maguire's PR, I, I'm sorry, you're a dope. Uh, yeah. I even saying, oh, what if you flip Ruben Diaz and Harry Maguire uh, around and Ruben Diaz would struggle? Oh, with my Harry God, Maguire. yeah. You know what? But you know it's a stupid explanation because you know why? Because Harry Maguire had a season in Manchester United where he was actually pretty darn good, where he played every minute of every game, yeah. right? So we've seen him do well at Manchester United with these supposedly slow and adequate players <laughs> behind him with oh, David De Gea who can't communicate yeah. with him. Come on, man. Come up with something better. Crazy. There's a John United Kingdom and Ireland bid for the 2028 Euros, Gab. Uh, but some of the stadium on the shortlist seen by the Times are a bit of a surprise, right? Yeah. So it's, it's odd, right? Um, it's odd who's not there. Um, England, uh, England will have six stadiums uh, in the World Cup. 
Uh, Sorry, the Euros. It's not going to be Anfield. It's not going to be Stamford Bridge because their pitch is too small. It doesn't match your UEFA regulations. Um, They get special dispensation for the the Champions League. It's not going to be Leeds and Elland Road. The other ones, usual suspects, so Wembley, the London Stadium where West Ham play, uh, Villa Park, Old Trafford, Etihad. Bramley Moore Dock, which hasn't, as far as I know, doesn't exist yet. Maybe they're in the process of building it. Well, they are in the process of building it, right? That's where everything's going to play. But they don't even know what it's going to look like. And the weird one for me is Stadium NK, which is in Milton Keynes. It's where the NK Dons play. Yeah. Uh, it's about an hour from London. But it's a small stadium. Yeah, I mean, it right? is. I, I've never been there, but I'm assuming it's about 30,000 tops. Yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. Uh, 25, I think. I don't know if they just added in the list, like let's have some diversity. If I had to guess, yeah. um, I think you're looking at the usual suspects. You're looking at Wembley, Villa Park, definitely. Probably yeah. St. James's for history. Manchester and Liverpool. Uh, well, they're too um, much. Bramley yeah. Moore. Yeah, I don't. I only think they're gonna have one stadium in Manchester. They're not gonna have both. Um, but by then, the new Everton Stadium would be built, right? So what? They can't apply. They can't. So no, but that's Bramley Moore Dock, right? Oh yeah, so yeah. Sorry. That's going to be. I would assume it's going to be that. But it's it's kind of an so, odd one to me, anyway. Oh, and another thing, Jules. When I look at this list, there's a stadium which, for me, is when you combine location within London and quality of stadium is the one that stands above all the others, and that is the Emirates. Uh, it's a stadium which is, I think, together with Stamford Bridge, the closest to central London, and I think this matters at the Euros, corporates, and whatever yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. I think it has tremendous sight lines. It's a 60,000-seat stadium. Is what is Tottenham Stadium a better stadium in absolute terms? Maybe it's newer. Um, maybe it's nicer. Uh, but I think it's definitely a better stadium than, than Wembley, and it's definitely a better stadium than yeah. uh, the London Stadium, which, again, I'm sure my bias about where I live, but those are much further away. Yeah. Um, why not the Emirates? Did, did... I don't know. I mean, I don't know if maybe the club didn't think that they... It was a good thing for them and on that summer. Maybe they didn't fancy it. Maybe, maybe I don't know. The FA wanted other stadiums to be nominated or something. I, yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, I don't know why. Really, what the if you take on the organization of games like that in a competition like the Euros or the World Cup, I don't know for what it means for clubs. I would like to know. You know, if you're a club. What, what you know? What do you have to pay for stewarding? Do what, what do you have to no, pay? No, no, you know, no. What, like, you end up coming ahead. Uh, uh, you end up definitely coming coming out ahead. It's, uh, many times they pay for certain refurbishments and then put them back. But is there a negative uh, aspect to organize those games, or you think it's so? Unless positive? you're gonna, you know, schedule a Grateful Dead tour there or something in the middle of the summer, I would have thought no. But if we had to look at this list, if we had to guess, I handicapped it a little bit before, yeah. right? So. All right, definites are Wembley, I would assume. Yeah. Um, we, we'll have two stadiums in London, right? Yeah. So I'm assuming it's going to be Wembley and the London Stadium for the simple reason, one north and one, yeah. and one east. So Spurs would miss out, which I think is a shame. It's a great yeah, stadium. Yeah, one of the three would miss out, and it won't be Wembley, so either, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming you're going to have to have a stadium in the Midlands, and there's yeah. all, Villa Park is the only Midlands stadium yeah. that they have three. here. One in the northeast. Yeah, I think this. I think I really like both St James Park and the Stadium of Light. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you can only have one of the two. Really. We, do we lean St James Park because it dominates the city and better rail yeah, links and maybe. whatever? Um, so that brings us to four. Yeah, and now 
you get into there'll be one in Manchester yeah, 100% it has to be Old Trafford that is but it, all our Mancunian friends tells you how derelict Old Trafford well, yeah, is and you how think they you get it would get refurbished right but like, I, well, maybe like, they get the FA to, refurb, yeah, to pay exactly. for the refurb. I think that would be the idea, so. right? Because you always get some money to make your stadium looking nicer for the competition. I, I think this is an interesting call to make because somehow something tells me that, you know, if you go to City and like, hey, City, you know, we're considering the Etihad. Are you willing to refurbish it even more, even though it's pretty much brand spanking yeah. so close to the train station and whatever. And they'll say, yeah, sure. We'll put like, you know, rolling walkways like they have in the airport. And, you know, we'll, we'll have like ushers in, in, in white yeah, gloves with gold hats and whatever. And whereas if you go to the Glazers and say, hey, do you want to spend a penny on the stadium? They'll go like, yeah, where's, you know. your, where's, the, where's the money from the government? <laughs> yeah, how much will you pay us? Um, and then the last so, one would have to be the new Everton. Well, I mean, if he's brand new and he's finished on time and everything... I would assume so. I I would assume so. It's going to come down to, since Anfield's not there, you can make a case that Liverpool is so close to Manchester, you don't need one there. But again, rather than putting MK Dons, given that nobody lives in Milton Keynes, it's so close to London. I'm assuming this is just kind of a joke. I I think effectively it's going to come down to a third stadium in London, but or much more likely, oh, Bramley yeah, Moore Dock. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, while we're at it, if we think you're going to have... We, we know nothing about the other stadiums, but we assume the other venues are going to be Dublin. Yeah, you think? Uh, Cardiff, yeah. where there's, there's a very nice stadium. And they have yeah. a very nice... Aviva is very nice in Dublin, too. Yeah. Hamden Park in Glasgow, think, not yeah, as yeah. nice. Could use a sprucing up between now and 2030. Yeah, yeah, but... Oh, sorry, 2028. Yeah. And... Whatever they have in Winds, Belfast. Yeah, Windsor Park. Windsor Arms Park, is that what it's called? Yeah, Windsor Park, I think. So, um, yeah. Would you, like, would you like the Euros 2028 in, in the UK and uh, in Ireland? It's, I, it's too close to home a bit. And it's I, like, very, I for the women's one. I was a bit like, it felt you're not always going to a Euros. Do you see what I mean? Because we go to competitions like that. We travel, we stay together. We're like, very selfishly, first world problems. I like to go somewhere else for my Euros. And I feel that... I was here, obviously, during the pandemics. I was glad that, you know... Yeah, that was a bit different. 2020 wasn't here, but essentially we were based here, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then obviously we had the women's... And, yeah, I, I, I would rather... The other country bidding for it, of course, is Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Istanbul just earlier this month. I think that would be a fantastic venue. I mean, Istanbul alone, apart from the fact that Istanbul's like a little country. Yeah, right? it is. It's so big, but, you know, you've got a bunch of tip-top stadiums. And yeah, by the way, true. my hotel... Uh, what I said in Istanbul was it's effectively across the street from Besiktas Stadium, which you want to talk about sort of stunning visuals. Yeah, that's oh, not where the incredible. Champions League final is. It's right on the banks of, of of the Bosporus. You take the ferry across. You see it looming over you that's as you arrive. It's um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Special. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nice have had a rocky start to the season, which is a shock given all the proven Premier League talent they brought in. Casper Schmeichel, Aaron Ramsey, Nicolas Pepe, Ross Barkley, and I forgot, Fulham's Joe yeah, Bryan. I didn't what forget, could go on? Man, that's terrible. Uh, 
So now Mauricio Pochettino is linked as a possible replacement if Lucien Favre gets sacked. What's Sir Jim Ratcliffe thinking? Well, he's thinking it's not if Lucien Favre gets sacked, it's when he gets sacked, I think. Uh, and for Poch, I think he's right to aim for the top. I don't think Poch will go back to Ligue 1. Uh, certainly that's what I was said. I was, I was told. I don't know if he would... I don't think that's a project that he would fancy. I think he wants a bigger project. Um, but well, they would need to find someone else. I mean, I don't know where you go after Favre, but Favre has been so bad and the season has been so bad that I don't could, think the upgrade would be difficult. Considering what a freak show this has been for Nice um, with the signing, basically, let's get these... Look, I, Schmeichel can still contribute, fair enough. He's right? been dreadful this season. But you're getting Aaron Ramsey and Ross Barkley, who are two players whose clubs literally paid for them to go away. Uh, you know, Joe Bryan, who I'm assuming Fulham didn't want in the Premier He's League on this loan, year. But still. He's on loan, right? Why? Pepe, who was, was a flop, whatever, that could be more interesting. But I'm wondering, like, if you're a United fan, right, and you want the Glazers out, and you're like, yeah, Sir Jim Ratcliffe. And then you see how this club's being run. Maybe you're like, hmm. So until, until, this, until this summer, it was okay. It was good. I think they had a good idea with Galtier. Um, the, the summer before, the recruitment was actually interesting with some young players, some, some talent there. The season with Galtier was a bit up and down, but it was still okay, and they still qualified for, for Europe. Um, but like this summer, Ian Moody, Dave Brailsford, all those people getting involved now. Dave I, Brailsford from Team Sky? Yeah, he's the boss. Wait. The guy who got busted for... Yeah, with no hair. You know, the guy who's bald. But yeah. didn't he have some legal issues or am I mis- I don't want to... I don't know that. With how he Team Sky ended and like... Maybe, you're right. But yeah, he's he's Sergeant Radcliffe guy. So the idea that you're an expert in cycling, he's so then this translates the to football. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, yeah. I, I, I had no idea he'd recycled himself. Yeah. Roberto De Zerbi has been unveiled as the new Brighton manager and says that Pep Guardiola has promised to help him. Meanwhile, Gab, some are worried about whether he knows the league. That comes back all the time in England. And whether it's, wor- it's worrying that he had seven clubs in the last nine seasons, maybe a bit more than the league. Okay, so two things I said. So, all right, the, 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 the Roberto De Zerbi, he's like a, he's like a kid, right? When when he talks about Pep Guardiola's face, yeah. like that. Pep Guardiola's is his hero. De uh, Zerbi was a very talented footballer who never quite made it. Like those, like you know, no, he made it. He played in Serie A a little bit in Serie B, but you know, those like number ten types who are good but just not, yeah. you know, the continuity or whatever to make it. And I find that those people, when they become managers, they often have a slightly different outlook uh, on the game. Um, so he visited Pep Guardiola last summer. He said, "What can I learn from you?" Um, and Pep Guardiola called him on Sunday after he was appointed. He said, whatever you need, I'm happy to help you. Just call me anytime, except, of course, when Brighton are playing Man City, because yeah, then I definitely won't help you. Um, so that was all sweet, and we'll see how he does. We've spoken about his approach, his style of play. Yeah. They think it's compatible with what Potter was trying to do. It's so exciting, I think. In many ways, it is. I think that Zedby takes more risks than Potter does, definitely, and I think yeah. this is what... Not that Potter was a conservative coach, but I think this is what people are going to have to... He's definitely more of a gambler. Oh, yeah. more of a His teams will concede more goals than Potter's teams. Uh, sure. On paper, right? But I got to address this. And look, I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to single out Graham Sooners, even though he's the person who said this, because there's other people who've said this in different oh, is iterations. That, is that where it comes from? Oh, I'm not surprised. Then. Well, so first of all, I want this knowing the league thing. It's 2022. The Premier League is by far the most famous and popular and followed yeah. uh, 
league in the world. Football already, the differences from one country to the next, the cross-pollination in technology and whatever, makes it that everybody kind of knows everything. I don't think you don't... These big differences, many of them are going away. There's some differences maybe that newcomers might be familiar with in terms of the way the local media operates, the way the fans see it. In terms of the players and stuff like that, the other teams, you don't think that the Zerbi, who's been sitting in his backside since, uh, since, since the war... Uh, you know, he hasn't watched these games See, on television. Exactly. Um, it's it's pretty silly. And we've had so many people come into the league yeah. uh, without prior experience and win the title in either the first or second season, yeah. um, in case we forget. People like... People like Carlo Ancelotti. Oh, yeah. People like, like uh, Pep Guardiola. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, uh, club. Oh, yeah. yeah. How did Jurgen okay. Klopp know the league before he, he came here? He didn't know the league. Yeah, no. He came he, that was a gamble. He had to learn the league, right? I... The other thing which really gets me is this other thing of the seven jobs in nine years because this is just a gross manipulation. First of all, it's only seven jobs if you count Brighton, right? Yeah. And his point about this is like, oh, well, if he's that good, they would have kept them, right? What he doesn't understand is that he started out at Glasgow Rangers. Roberto Zerbi started out with an amateur team. He was never started with an yeah, amateur so if team. You count, if, you count. if you start at the bottom, right, and you do well... You're going to move on. He started with his amateur team. He was there for two years. Uh, then he moved to Foggia in the third division, was there in two years. Then, because people thought he was good, he made the big jump. He went to Palermo. He was terrible. He was sacked. Yeah. Then he came back. Um, he was at Benevento. They got relegated. Benevento couldn't afford uh, to, to, keep uh, to, 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 to keep him because they were disinvesting in the club. Then he goes to Sassuolo for three years. And then the other club that he left was because somebody war. decided to start a war, right? Exactly. So... Let's put this in context. You know, I, I, I don't, and I think people have to accept this. Longevity cannot be a standard for this. If you, are, if you are at a club, at any club outside the top seven or eight clubs in the world, and you do badly, you're going to get sacked. If you do well, yeah. you, somebody bigger will come and to want get to get you. Exactly. And you want to progress your career like anybody else. Mm. So, I know, I just thought it was very unfair. Yeah. But... So far, though, I think the the general reception, and of course, it could change as soon as they play, yeah. uh, has been very positive. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. They play Liverpool and Spurs first, and then they'll have City and Chelsea. I think three weeks later. So good luck to him. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all we can say. I, I would want to say the classic thing, right? Obviously, Brighton had to appoint a manager because Graham Potter left. But like the old thing, if he had been appointing a manager, would been replacing management doing badly yeah they would have waited get all these tough games out of the way right <laughs> Big and uh yeah no like fulham at home here we yeah. go usman dembele has been on fire for barcelona since deciding to stay and signing a new contract but jules we found out how much his release clause was and should people be a little bit worried well worried because it's 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 reachable for the big clubs it's 50 million euros five zero uh which you could say it's a I think it's a it's an amount not far from his valuation, right? I know he's playing really well this season. I think it's substantially less than less, the valuation. What will be your valuation of him? I what, think a fifth Dembele is is got to be because he's only twenty five now. Yeah. Right? So you've got six or seven. I, I, I think 18? it's easily yeah, in the eighty mil. I mean, in, in the yeah, eighty million yeah, yeah, plus okay, range. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think this explains why he resigned without getting a raise. In fact, yeah, the pay and that was right? a big. That was a big point in him agreeing to stay and to extend was that 15 million they, they would not him and his agent would not budge on that i think you're okay if you're barcelona like it, it is suboptimal but you have to believe if he's here he's happy oh yeah he loves he's Javi. not going to yeah, you know it's, no. it's not like oh i need to go and join paris saint germain yeah i don't think that release cruise was put there for him to leave after a year no Do you know what i mean it was 
It's not an Erling Haaland situation. Yeah, no, definitely not. UEFA have confirmed, Gab, that Russia are out of the qualifying process for the Euro 2024 in Germany uh, and that Russian teams won't participate either in European competitions. You, you're not surprised, right? This is No, I think this is pretty much, pretty much inevitable until the situation changes. I mean, everybody hopes yeah. for peace. Uh, you have to plan these things ahead, and even if they make peace tomorrow, which you know I don't think they will, but I pray they do, uh, it's not going to be enough time logistically to get back in yeah. so I think that's the reality of it mm. Arthur is still battling to regain fitness since his loan move to Liverpool and has been playing with the under 23s and played a game with the under 21s Jules yeah. not a knock on him it's normal for senior pros to play in these games to regain their fitness but it was surreal when I found out he was substituted by Jay Spearing, who's 33 years old, yeah. former Liverpool player, former Liverpool Academy product, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah, yeah. now a coach. It just seems like the past and the yeah. present melding in one. Yeah, completely. I mean, I have to say, I, I find it a bit humiliating for Arthur. Uh, and and Could certainly be. maybe he had a knock. Maybe he'd go to the bathroom. Who knows? And I, I know, but well, come on, you can't last. An, you can't last more than an hour in a in an under 21 game. On the 23 game, like when you need much fitness, when you haven't played, when you're trying, I guess, to impress Jorgen Klopp, to impress the club, to so you can play after the international break, and then what you you're not very good in the game to start with, and then after an hour, this 33 year old guy who is not even a pro anymore comes and replaces you. I mean, like, come on. Maybe he, maybe Spearing got some appearance money. Maybe he fancied it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Italy playing England on Friday, but Gab Nicolo Zagnolo has not been called up by Roberto Mancini, even though he's finally fit and playing for Roma. What's the deal? And so, uh, basically, Mancini brought back what was there under, under Prandelli when he was Italy coach, which is there's a, an ethical disciplinary code um, yeah. For players, and uh, so the, the players who would be going right now, well, Insigne is not there for a personal, uh, very sad family reason. Uh, but then the others are Zaccagni, who because he was late at the last time he was he was called up, yeah, and Zagnolo because after uh, Roma won the Conference League, he participated in he was he was seen like sort of singing songs about Lazio, which Mancini said were inappropriate. Um, and a defensive. I mean, part of me kind of feels for Zaniolo because I want yeah. Zaniolo to be really, yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think if Italy were going to the World Cup, I would like to think that Zaniolo would be called up. If you want to make an example to him and to other players and put the line, this is the time to do it because, you know, yeah. with all due respect, it's Nations League. Yeah. Scotland beat Ukraine 3-0 in the Nations League. Jules, your thoughts? Well, I thought it was um, an, an emotional game like, like it is with, with Ukrainian you know, clubs and our national team in this case, uh, you know, coming out for the anthem with the flags on their, on their shoulders and everything. And I wanted to see Mudrik to play and play for, for Ukraine. We didn't see much of it because I have to say Scotland were good and they, they had a very good second half with McGinn scoring with Dyke scoring uh, headers as well. And, and this, is, this is really good because they play against each other uh, in not the next game, but the one after that. And, and they're battling to finish top of, the, of, of their group. Uh, and get so, promoted. And get promoted. So, yeah, there was a lot at stake. And this was a really good atmosphere overall, I think, and, and, and quite an enjoyable watch. Juventus had had a rotten start of the season. We mentioned that many times on the show. And Max Allegri is under huge pressure. Some are even talking about Antonio Conte. 
coming back to the club. But instead, the big move is giving more power gap to somebody called Giovanni Andreini. So, okay, I mean, again, this is, this is kind of total media PR stuff, right? Yeah. When, when people have papers to fill... And so you've got a news cycle that it's all about Allegri's terrible, you were doomed, yeah. and so on. Uh, you're going to get some stories like, oh, Antonio Conte, look, his contract is up at the end of the season at Spurs. Could he come back, you know, and, and make peace with the club and whatever? Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Antonio Conte wants to build something at Spurs right now. I think Antonio Conte can read the newspaper and see what the budget situation at Juve yeah. is right now uh, and the losses that they made. And he would know that if he comes back and says, I can't help myself, and go and demand, buy this guy, buy that guy, spend, 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 they're not going to be able to do it at Juve. I got Spurs to do it. I'm a stick where yeah, I am, right? Definitely. So, but the flip side of it is that push stories that you want. So this guy, Giovanni Andreini, he's, they call him, I think they call him like Mr. Muscle or Professor Muscle or something. He's some sort of expert in preserving players keeping them free from muscular injuries, which has been okay, a big yeah, issue yeah. at Juve. And apparently, he, you know, he was there before, but now he's been given expanded powers, maybe even some powers over the type of training that they do. The idea is to help bring the injured guys back. I, I think it's weird that we're talking about this, but it gives you a sense yeah, of yeah. the situation Juve are in. We'd rather be talking about this dude, even though we have no idea who he is. And <laughs> how, do we, how do we even assess his work? Because right? exactly. when players get injured, it's not always the doctor's fault. So yeah. anyway... Jules, here in England, there's an age-old thing called the 3 o'clock Saturday blackout, which oh, yeah. means you can't show football of any kind on television between 2.45 and 5.15 p.m. on Saturday to protect attendance in the lower leagues. I was thinking is that if you put, say, United on television or Real Madrid, since it applies to foreign clubs too, people might not, go to watch, might not want to go watch their local club. Um, they just kind of believe that this is how it works. Yeah. What's interesting is you've got the Women's Super League saying, uh-uh, that rule shouldn't apply to our games. Put our games on television. And also, many clubs in the Football League who, who can stream their games are saying, like, no, put our games on television. Let us have an audience. This is how we keep our audience. Can you see their point? Yeah, completely. I mean, I, I have to say, we've lived in this country for a long time, you and I. I've never understood that, that blackout rule, if you want. I don't think it would have an impact on lower league games. If you want to watch Yeovil or, you know, whoever you want, on a Saturday at 3 o'clock, you can, where the Real Madrid play, and you know that it would not be the Real Madrid-Barcelona game at 3 o'clock on a Saturday because this is not where the big games are played in any, really, of the other big European leagues. So I don't, I don't see the clash yet. There might be a week where you have a United playing on a Saturday or Real Madrid. I just don't think that would impact... They're completely different experiences going to watch a League One game and watching Manchester United on television. I think these rules were made many years ago by people who thought that one is a substitute for another. Yeah. You know, hey, look, if we want to black everything out so there's no entertainment, you know, why don't we block Netflix between 2.45 and 5.15 on Saturday? (laughs) You know, stop. Block Twitch so people can go and watch others play video games or whatever. Let's just do all that. Yeah, you know, it makes no sense. I'm with you. The passing of Queen Elizabeth II has caused the number of Premier League games to be postponed. Gab, we, we know that. How do you think they're going to deal with it now and reorganize the fixtures? So, for me, this is a big concern. I thought it might make most sense to add a week to the end of the season or at least consider doing that. Apparently, they're going to scrap... Uh, um, FA Cup re- replays in the yeah. third and fourth round on a quote case by case basis. 
Um, I don't know if this is going to get it done because obviously it depends on which teams are playing and which teams well, yeah, you have to make up, yeah. right? Uh, but they're hoping enough of certain teams get knocked out and, you know, you do it that way. And it's also going to be slightly tricky, too, if you scrap the replays because these games kick off at different times. Yeah. So you tell people, all right, you guys, let's go to penalties just in case, uh, you know, just in case the team that you were, you might need, we might need you to play against this team on this one Wednesday. But then if that doesn't happen because, you know, uh, for whatever reason they advance and they don't have the replay, then do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a messy yes. situation, but it I, it's what they have to deal with. Yeah, definitely. DC United boss Wayne Rooney has been praised for substituting one of his players, uh, Taxi Fontas. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I don't know. My, I'm not Greek. Uh, during their game against Inter Miami, after he was accused of racially abusing an opponent, Jules, his old yeah. teammate Phil Neville, called him a class act. Yeah, and I think we have to applaud Wayne Rooney for taking that decision. Uh, not acceptable from his own prize. I hope there will be more done to Funtas in terms of you know sanctions and, and all of that. We, we said that about the Vini situation in the last show as well. And I think more manager... More managers should do it. If 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 brought up into this kind of context and situation, then go for it. See, I see this from a slightly different angle here. So we should mention Funta strongly denies uh, using any kind of racist language. But I wonder because there was there was a scuffle on the pitch, yeah. and then apparently he said it afterwards. And Funtas was was and another player were, were were booked in the scuffle. It was like twenty minutes ago, something like that. If my player gets heated on the pitch and he's already been booked, I might go ahead and substitute him anyway so he doesn't get a second yellow. So you don't think he did it because I, of that? I don't know. Well, there's two things, right? I'm, I'm sure Wayne Rooney didn't hear yeah, what he happened. Would, yeah. He would have heard the accusations. Wayne Rooney's going to want to back his own player, want to talk to his own player first before he makes any public statement. In fact, he hasn't made any statement no, yeah. as to why he took him off the pitch. He's in this slightly uncomfortable position here, right? I can understand Wayne Rooney coming out. You know, he's not saying, oh, I did it because he used he used a racist term. Yes. Because then he'd be throwing his player under the bus. And he doesn't know. He can't know for sure whether whether he said it. Maybe he does now because he's spoken to teammates or whatever, uh, one way or the other, who heard what. So I kind of thought Phil Neville coming out and saying this, and I'm sure Phil Neville was perfectly innocent in saying it. Yeah. But you could also be cynical about it and say there is an ulterior motive here, kind of like backing Wayne yeah. Rooney into, into a corner. Sticking with Inter Miami, Gab, Sergio Busquets has been linked with a move to the club when his contract expires at Barcelona at the end of this season after 15 years of service. Does that make sense to you? I, I guess so. If he wants to have an experience in, in the U.S., he can... I, I always wonder sort of what types of players work in MLS when they get yeah. old. Yeah. Um, You're not sure that Busquets is one? <laughs> I'm not 100% simply because I saw what happened to Pirlo and Frank yeah. Lampard and Steven Jard when they went there and, and they were old. I think you can be an older, slower number 10 and make it work. You can probably be an older, slower center back and if you've got the right guys yeah. around yeah. you, you yeah. can make it work. Yeah. But Busquets, you know, he's used to essentially passing the ball a million times sideways to people who are really, really skillful and getting <laughs> yeah. the ball back all the time. And what he's done is kind of slotted in between the two center backs when his team attacks, essentially turning to a back three. And one of the issues has been he has to do a lot of tactical fouling because yeah. his fast players come to the midfield. Now that he's going to be 34, 35, 
you know, one thing MLS isn't lacking is very fast guys running, running at you. So, but on the other hand, if he wants experience, he certainly has a lot to give. I mean, so many people can learn so much simply by watching Busquets and yeah. how he occupies space and whatever. Yeah, and that's so, for sure. I wish him good luck. Udinese and their goalkeeper, Marco Silvestri, took to Instagram no, and invited Cristiano that. Ronaldo to join them. Since, you know, he, he posted something about how he wanted to play in the next World Cup as well as Euro 2024. Yeah. So they said, oh, come and join us. Is this just a bit of fun or will Cristiano take this as trolling? Oh, no, surely not. Not trolling. Just a bit of fun. Like, he would be looking for a club at the end of this season, right? Because his contract at United expires unless United keep him. <laughs> and right now, Udinese are in the Champions League places. So he could play Champions League football at Udinese and, and stay fit until the next, you know, until the next Euros. I, there's, there's nothing bad. And I think if you're Marco Silvestri or Gerard Delofeu, if he's still there or whoever you want, no, Dougie, because he won't be there. But, you know, having Cristiano in your squads, everybody wants to play with Cristiano or Messi. So, yeah. you see us trolling. I can see in your eyes. I, I, I don't, if I'm Cristiano, I don't, know how, I, I don't know how I take this, you know, because it's, I say with greatest respect to Udinese. And Udinese, by the way, have been in the Champions League before and yeah. so on. But they're obviously punching way above their weight. And he's like, really, these are the clubs that are, you know. I'm not no, the Baron Castillo case rumbles on, Gab. After FIFA's appeal body did not accept Chile's complaint, uh, it looks like we're heading to the core of arbitration for sports. Remind so, us what's the story for the people who didn't know. We talked a lot about it on the show. But. Yeah, so Baron Castillo is a guy who um, Chile allege uh, is as fraudulent, but plays record over fraudulent papers. They say that he's Colombian. Sorry? That he's Colombian, right? That he's, that, yes, yeah. he was born just across the border in Colombia, emigrated, but that his papers were, were, were fake kind of all along. Uh, they claim they have audio about him, about when he was granted the Ecuadorian citizenship, kind of telling his story, which would make him ineligible, and saying that he played under fake papers. Um, I, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know to... You know what's real or fake in the sense that yeah. he got his citizenship a long time ago and he's played a bunch of games for a long time with that citizenship is it fair or right to take that away now and could because the implication here is if he, ecuador would be forced to forfeit all the games that he played in which i think is like six or seven games so they would lose those points and and chile would leapfrog them and go to the world cup yeah what would make me uncomfortable is I, I want to be thoroughly satisfied that FIFA aren't FIFA are denying these appeals on legitimate legal rounds and not simply because oh look, Cutter against Ecuador happens to be the first game of the World Cup and it would be too much of an inconvenience and a pain in the butt to go and change everything, saying yeah. Ecuador home and kind of you have to rejigger everything and you open up a whole legal can of worms. There is another level which is the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Chile have said they're going to take their case to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, and I believe uh, that's going to be binding. Atletico Madrid have issued a statement after Vinicius was racially abused ahead of the derby. They say they won't tolerate this behavior, that they're cooperating with authorities, and that people who racially abuse aren't welcome into the Atletico family. Is that enough, Jules? I uh, don't think so, Gab. One, they took a long time to react. I mean... Far too long, in my opinion. Uh, and then, okay, that's good. So where are the sanctions now? Where are the people who clearly saw on videos abusing him outside the ground? Can you identify them? Is that work being done? You know, like, it was far too short of a statement for me 
on top of being late, I thought, because this is something that you should have published I, on the same night of the game because it was pretty clear <laughs> what has happened. Well, I, can, I can tell you what they would say, which is, well, we're cooperating with the police and the FA in their investigation and we're going to pass it on, but it's not up to us to ban them. It's up there, wow. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, I will, you know, I think what's missing from here is the people who, and I think the only way it changes, it's not just a question of saying people who racially abuse aren't welcome. People who tolerate others racially yeah. abusing, um, you know, that's how you're going to make the change. People who who hear, see it, who who you know, it happens over there. I see the guy, you know, with with a song about Venetius being a monkey, and my first reaction is either to have a giggle or or, or oh, let me get my phone yeah. and like. Uh, no, you have to create an environment where it's just unacceptable. Yeah. And you say we're at Atleti, you're making our club look bad, and I think you have to stand up to these people. And, yeah, I agree with it completely. Fabio Cannavaro is back in coaching. He has been appointed at Benevento in Serie B. Gab, is it weird to you that a guy with his pedigree, who's been coaching for nine years now, only gets a shot in Europe now? It is kind it of weird, weird yeah. right? So he's coached in, in, in the Gulf. He's coached in China. China Obviously, yeah. he won the league in China. Um, you know, this is a guy who speaks English. He's handsome. He's World Cup winner. Play, Ballon yeah, d'Or sure. winner was a great player. We've seen other... Managers, you know, with similar things, get shots yeah. higher up the food chain. He hasn't. I don't. Do you think it's because he's yeah. short? <laughs> no. I know. I, I was think thinking so. about this. I don't know. I thought short. <laughs> no. I, you don't think that there's. Pep is not the tallest either. Pep is darn sight tall. He's, he's a it's couple not much. Yeah, but not much. Not much bigger, like than than Cannavaro would be. That Cannavaro is. Yeah, maybe, but. I, I yeah okay good point touche on 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 Pep even though Pep's not tiny I think no, he's, no, I think he's one seventy nine I think he's slightly you know I I don't know what it is maybe people look at Cannavaro because he smiles a lot they don't think he's serious I I don't maybe. know uh, I hope he does a good job Benevento would like to you know they hope to get promotion yeah. to, to, to back to Serie A uh, they haven't been there in a couple of years would be good so I wish him well and he's one of the good guys yeah for sure. Jules, 10 years have passed since the Hillsborough Independent Panel published its report, which found that Liverpool, Liverpool fans were not to blame on that tragic day when, yeah. as they put it, 96 uh, fans went to a football match and never came home, mm. uh, and that police had failed to do enough. Now, it's been 10 years yeah. since the truth, so to speak, was, was established. Do you think we've made progress in those 10 years? We had an apology from the Prime Minister, from the government? Yeah. I mean, I guess on... On that sense, yes, uh, we've had a 97th, you know, kind of uh, victim recognized, if you want. Of course. I just, I just don't think it's enough for this disaster not to happen again because we saw that the scenes that we saw at the Champions League final where we were in Paris yeah. last May were pretty, pretty bad. And there's a bunch of inquiries where we're going to get the exactly. reports out. And not looking good at all, where you think like we, we were not too far from a complete disaster again. Yeah. You know, the, the, Euro, the, the Euro final at Wembley was pretty bad too. So it looks like at times we haven't really learned the lessons from what happened in the past to make football stadium a safer, safer place for fans that everybody can go without thinking that you could be in trouble, you could be squashed, you could be scared, you could be all of that. And, and, and this is 10 years after the, 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 the report, yeah. but it's many, many more years after Hillsborough itself. And yet I, we're in a position where, okay, yeah, things are better because stadiums are better and you this can't, and that, yeah. but I, still. I agree. You can't undo the past. I think it's a scandal that it took 23 years 
for the Hillsborough Independent Panel to, 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 to publish the definitive report. I think it's pretty scandalous that many of the people involved who yeah. were prosecuted, those prosecutions were not successful. I'm talking about the, the, the police and the authorities who covered things up, who spread lies. Mm. Um, I hope if there's one takeaway we can take is that we've learned to question our authorities more yeah. and not take for granted that the people who are there to keep us safe, that they're always competent because they, yeah. they need to be held to account in these situations. I agree with you. Cut hero defender Andrea Ranocchia signed a lucrative contract with Monza in the summer, but he's now retiring just three months later. Gab, what's going on? Well, he suffered a bad injury against, uh, against Napoli in the first week of the season. I, Ranocchia, I called him a cult hero. Uh, his name literally means froggy in Italian. Yeah. He, he made his name for himself at Bari where he formed this bizarre defensive partnership with Leo Bonucci many years ago. I think it's safe to say he never quite you know, reached the level that he was expected yeah. to just because we hear you had a man who was so tall and you expect him to be a physical brute, but in fact he had the, the silky feet of a number. He played number 10 right up into his late teens. He's had injuries. He was in and out. He went to Hull. He had came back to Inter. Above all, a really, really nice guy. Yeah. Everybody who's ever played with him talked about what a great teammate he was. Um, would have been fun to see him out there. I understand why he doesn't want to put himself through this anymore. And you know what? He's walking away from, from a lot of money. And again, and I can only respect yeah, people yeah, yeah. Who, put, right. who, you know, who put their money where their mouth is. Yeah. So good luck to, uh, to you, Andrea. Right, Jules. Uh, that brings us to an end. But we got to come back on Monday. Yes. We got all these internationals, yes. right? Nations. Some For big some games. Some big games. Big games and one of the very last looks that we get these teams yeah. before the World Cup in Qatar. So until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself.